We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. I am your co-host, Mike DeVito. Big Jeff Allen is not here today, but we got another Big Jeff, Big Jeff Schwartz, on with us to talk all things Chiefs football. Before we get into it, talk about our sponsors. Big Jeff isn't here, but Cookie Society Cookies, make sure to check them out. The October menu is out now. Fantastic cookies. Big Jeff, have you tried it yet, Schwartzy? I've not had the October menu, but I've had many of their cookies. I remember years ago I was at Jeff's house and Marissa was like testing the cookies out. Like this before they open up, before she really sell them. Right. I got to be like, we just were eating cookies all night. It was fantastic. You were one of the, you were one, you were one of the original taste testers of the Yes. Wow. Yeah. Way back. I mean, they've obviously done different things since then. And man, they've done, the enterprise is growing. Their cookies are fantastic. Schwartzy, I ordered a box and I ordered them for like a certain time. And I did it never like for an interview or something to do it. They never make it to that interview because I eat them within and two days. So, and they freeze well too. Like oh. I put them in the freezer and I can warm them back up and give them to friends and stuff. It's fantastic. Oh man, I haven't tried that. See, now I gotta get another box. Man, Schwartzy. <laughs> well, check them out, cookiesociety.com. Uh, Big Jeff and them doing a great job over there. Thank you to our sponsors. Okay, Big Jeff Schwartzy. Look, before we get yeah. into this. Let me give you a – let me tell a story real quick yeah. about my Schwartz here, okay? So Schwartz, decade in the NFL, everybody on here has seen him. He's on every stinking uh, 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 media outlet talking Thank about you. college football, pro football, uh, betting, all that stuff. We'll talk about, Jeff, what you're, what you're doing. I want to get into the specifics. But let me tell you a quick story. So in 2013, I get signed by the Chiefs and – coming over from the Jets, and I'm the big run-stopping guy, right? I'm bring, I'm the run-stopping defensive lineman. I'm getting signed for that reason. I just signed a big contract to do that. And so I remember our first training camp padded practice, our first drill, big Jeff Schwartz, five on four. So five <laughs> offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, old school, and it's a run drill, right? And we're just working run combinations up front. Oh, God. And I line up in a, in a right three technique in front of me is big Jeff. And Eric Fisher on the other side, and I'm thinking, time to rock. Time to show Chiefs why they signed me. And I get off the football, and Schwartzy and Fisher, you guys ran this B block. 
but it was, <laughs> you ran it like a double team. I mean, it was like, bam, boom. And you drove me like four or five yards off the football and then got up to the backer. And I was just like, damn, <laughs> I've been here for five minutes. They signed me to do this and I get killed like one of the rookies on the first drill. Uh, and that was just one of many times I had to deal with Big Jack. But it, I appreciate it. It made me better, brother. So, so those drills, here's the key to those drills, which they don't do anymore, right? Because no one hits in, in, in camp anymore. I feel like the old guy is saying that. Like, no one hits in camp anymore. Those, oh, by the way, Andy Reid's camps were tough. Oh, boy. Wow. They, and there was only we only had single days for with him, too. We weren't even in double days. Is the point of that, those drills, to me, is not really the technique, per se. It's just, do your pads make noise? Like, the yeah. coaches just care if your pads make noise. Of course, the technique is good. But, like, you're rarely in a spot in a game when it's like, you know it's a run, I know it's a run, you know it's a B block, I know it's a B block. Like, it's not – it's just like one of those where, like, it's just testing your will in camp. Like, right. can you – and I remember as a young kid that we did one-on-ones with Charles Johnson who played defensive end for the Panthers for so many years. Dude bench pressed 600 pounds. Like, he mm. was the strongest player I might have ever gone against. And I remember early in camp when I was a young player, first, second year kid, I would always try to, like, we do one-on-one run block. I always try to fit up and, like, get a good fit. And I get my ass kicked every single time. And one of the older guys was like, look, stop that. All you do to snap is literally just shoot yourself out of your stance and just collide with, with Charles Johnson and don't go anywhere. Just You're both your stalemate, but it's going to sound great. And that's <laughs> what I did the rest of my career. Right. Just boom, big noise, pads colliding. No one really won or lost, yeah. and everyone felt good about that rep. It's so funny you say that because it reminds me thinking back of training camp, and that was by far the loudest drill, right? Five on oh, four because yeah. like, it was the first thing that out the gate, like yes. warm up individual, and then it was okay, O and D line get together for five on four, and it was bow, bow, just a loud, <laughs> you're like, you're, welcome to training camp. Yeah, that is oh. that is so funny, man, Jeff. But thank you for coming on the podcast. Yes. This is awesome. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Again, I know so much. Everything that you're doing is just incredible. So for the time that you've given us is great. Um, I want to get into the Chiefs, brother. And I know you love them as much as I do. And uh, one thing that was really interesting about this last game is the turnaround from the game before. And after that loss to Indianapolis, and and, and let, me, let me know if I'm wrong here, but I kept thinking to myself, this is going to be a really important game for the older guys on that team because you have a lot of younger guys on that Chiefs roster, and you know how momentum can build and yeah. build in a bad direction. And so it's like, can those older guys get everybody's mind set, get everybody's mind right, and turn around and get this thing fixed quick against a good opponent? Because anytime you lose to a bad opponent and then all of a sudden you got to go on road and play a good opponent, that is a recipe for disaster. Yep. You get one or two of those, and now it's now you know the ball's rolling in the bad direction. In fact, kind of like Kansas City season last year at the beginning of the year. I mean, you really had some really bad games in a row, um, and I think that was part of it was just the mindset. So, talk to me, Jeff. You saw the indie game. Yeah. You still bounce back and play Tampa Bay. What were some of the big differences that you noticed on the field with those guys? I think they they seemed like they cared a lot more. Mm. Um, I, I think this has been a, an issue with the Chiefs over the years when they just don't look like they play as hard some games. And I'm not accusing them of not playing hard. I mean, I'm not – I don't think – I think they play hard. But there was a different sense of urgency that Kansas City had against Tampa. They did not show against Indianapolis. And, right. and guys, that happens throughout a season. It's a long season. You're going to have games where you're just not as motivated. It's the, the nature of it. Um, 
you know, it, it's just the Colts are not very good. I still don't think they're very good. And the Chiefs are very good. And they went to Indianapolis, thought exactly what I just said. They're not very good. We don't have to try as hard. Again, I try is the wrong word to use, but like it just the, the, the intensity wasn't there that we right. saw on Sunday night in Tampa Bay. They treated Sunday night like like like, like a Super Bowl. I mean, they, everything was in, right? And like that's part of it too, is is I think coaches they they you you can take some cues from the coaches sometimes, right? By how much is in each week, especially on the offense side of the ball, where it's like, oh, our rink, our kind of our wrinkles aren't really in this week. We, yeah. we don't really need them, right? Yeah. And 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 that's just kind of like the the mentality. And I think that's okay to have. You can't have wrinkles in each week because yeah. you, there's too much. You, you give too much away. Um, and the Chiefs just made a lot of errors in that Colts game. They didn't make against Indy. They didn't muff a punt. They didn't miss field goals. They didn't have bad penalties. Everything that went bad in that Colts game just went bad. I thought on Sunday they showed exactly what they are, right? right? Offensively, if they're on rhythm on offense, if Pat Mahomes is able to hit his back foot and find his guy, this offense is hard to stop, even without Tyreek Hill. Right. That's part of it, too, is like and I thought Pat finally trusted his wide receivers from start to finish in this game, where right. I don't think he had that connection quite yet with anyone. Especially, And I think you see that more often than not during when he's scrambling around because there's no Tyreek Hill just to be like, boom, boom, and like wide open, right? Like he's taking a little more time. But his in-rhythm throws, I thought, were a lot better. The offensive line played a lot better this past weekend. I think defensively you saw they're able to get a pass rush. And, yeah, it looked like Tom Brady kind of targeted Watson a little bit, especially against Mike Evans. The pass defense, you know, it's not going to always be perfect. It's hard all going to be perfect. But I thought the team we saw yesterday, I guess not yesterday, now Sunday, was yeah. exactly what – I thought they would be all season and I'm glad they showed it against a really good opponent on the road. Yeah. Yeah. No question. And you bring up a good point. I mean, it's just, it's a long season and it's, and, and that's why, what if we had two teams in NFL history that have gone 16 and that have had the perfect, I think just one, one that went 16, uh, one that went 16 and all. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, you just, it's not feasible. And, and it's, and it's human nature when you're playing it and it, you know, and you know it, I know it. When you're playing a team like the Colts, who's just shitty, it's it's hard to treat them like Tampa Bay on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just you're just not gonna. It's just human nature to not do that. Um, so great points. I, I wanted to hone in specifically on on your expertise, which is the offensive yeah. line, because I even heard people talking, and it's amazing how, and you know this better than anyone, how pundits will, you know, stir up these hot yeah. takes, and all of a sudden. You know, oh, my biggest worry is Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Look at what happened against Indy. And it was like, wow, wait a minute. I mean, they were number one going into the year. I mean, this is a good offensive line. Tell, talk to me about sort of the mechanics, what you saw up front. It looked like, you know, the run game was good. I mean, it seemed like everything was clicking. Pat was, yeah. you know, the pass protecting well. I mean, specifics on the offensive line, what did you see with those guys? I think it's very important early in a game to get a quarterback comfortable yeah. by either getting the ball out quickly or just not getting him hit. And, and that's what they did early on. They made sure that Pat was comfortable, that right. he was, um, you know, felt good in the pocket. And, yeah, there were some individual breakdowns, but for the most part, they were just really good. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they have the capability to be that good, right? I mean, their tackles, I think, are the more concern as far as pressure-wise. But, again, I thought they did they did pretty well. The one sack was, you know, Brown was a three-step drop. He went out to punch. Ball wasn't gone. Could have been better, sure. I think another sack was on a safety pressure. So it, it, mo it mostly kept Pat clean all game, and they ran the ball really well. And, look, I'm very hard on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think that he has not lived up to his draft status. 
I don't know who that was on Sunday because that was the guy I think they expected him to be. Now, the, the drop was bad, but he ran with a purpose. He ran hard. He ran physical. He didn't run with the two hands on the ball, kind of like tiptoeing. He ran full speed ahead. 10 ran well. Like It just looked like everyone was one speed, one direction. And I thought Pack got really comfortable early on, which is important. I think when you – any quarterback, young, old – when they start getting hit early in games, they're just not the same because it speeds up their process. You know, they're looking for pressure. And it was so important that the Chiefs kept him very clean early in the game. Yeah. That was one thing, you know, having played Tom Brady 13 times in my career, that was a key uh, for every one of those games was listen, we got to hit him early. Yes. Got to hit him early. You know, the only chance in coverage and on defense to slow this offense down is to make sure he feels us early and often. Um, and so it's 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 natural to think that that's the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, Jeff, about you know offenses this time of year. So one thing Jeff Allen talks about, and we we've talked about before, is I feel like it's a lot easier for defenses to get the season started and be sort of in midseason form right away. It's just like you know the plays, you get lined up, and you go. Whereas on offense, it seems like it takes a little bit because you ha- you still have to gel. And we talk, you talked about Mahomes and those receivers and how they really started clicking this week where they haven't seen that in the past. Is that is, is that a correct take? Does it seem like it takes offenses, uh, regardless of how good you are, a little bit longer to get things in sort of midseason form, given how you know everybody sort of has to gel on yeah. that side of the ball? Whereas on defense, you just fly, you know, just go. You know, it's a good question. Um, I think it depends on where you are with your personnel, right? If you're a, a team that's returning a bunch of guys, you should be fine early in the season. But when you have a new wide receiving core, it's going to take time. You know, part of it is you, know, you just don't know sometimes what you're going to be good at. Right. And you think you're going to be good at something and you realize you're not. I remember going back to 2013, you know, we, we had obviously brand new staff, but Andy Heck was the offensive line coach. He still is. And Andy Heck loves power, right? He wanted to run power yeah. as much as possible. Pull the guard, God's play, great. like you guys, yeah. good at it. Yeah. and like that year we actually weren't. And I remember halfway through the season we were bad at it, like thirteen percent success rate. And he's like, "Let's throw this out." And when we did our run game was better, like, and that's why. So it just it just takes time to figure out what you're good at. You're th- I think you're seeing the Chiefs figure out. Okay, MVS is here, Juju's here, Pat wants his guys there. Do this in the run game. Okay, we're good at these runs. We're bad at these runs. Let's have 10 do this. Let's have 25 do this. Right. And that, I think, is, is what takes time. And also, too, you need to see everything versus every look, right? Because you might get a team that runs a cover two scheme. The next week, you have a cover three scheme. One team's a three, four. One team's a four, two, five. And so you have to see things happen over the course of many weeks. And I think that's why offenses, quote unquote, start slower. Now, I'd imagine that in offense with Guys returning, like Kansas City has had previous seasons, there was never that problem. They started very fast because they knew what to do. They knew what to in situations. I think teams are still figuring that out. So I'm, I would not be surprised. I mean, look, they're already number one in EPA. Like They can't get any better, really. Right. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to kind of figure out offensively, especially in the passing game, you know, where Pat can find the guys he likes. Hey, sorry to interrupt today's podcast, but I have to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. First one being Liquid Death. You've heard us talk about this company all the time here on Kansas City Sports Network. Here at KCSN, we love Liquid Death. And when I'm looking through the bottled water section of my local store, 
And I say, oh, what are those strange tall boys up there? I know it's liquid death. And you might look at it and be like, wait, what is that up there? Kind of rad looking cans. It's liquid death. And it's spring water from the Alps. It's not beer. And it is called liquid death. Yeah, that name jumps off the can. The the can design, everything. I would show you a can, but I don't have one because I've drank all of them. I've drank everything that they've given me at liquid death because it's so delicious. Because it absolutely murders your thirst. That's why it's called liquid death. It murders your thirst. And not only does it murder your thirst, but it brings death to plastic bottles. I hate plastic pollution. You hate plastic pollution. Their infinitely recyclable tall boy aluminum cans help bring death to that as well, that pollution. And they donate 10% of their profits to uh, help kill plastic pollution. Another good thing about the folks over at Liquid Death. And let me tell you, they've got, uh, I believe, four different flavors that you can get. Uh, No, five, if you talk about their uh, flavored sparkling waters. They've got a berry. They've got a mango. They've got a lime. All of them are very good. As a guy who drinks sparkling water myself, love the liquid death versions of them. Make sure you go check those out. They have just a still still water, which is the water from the Alps. Kind of weird to be drinking out of a can. But it feels good to be drinking out of a can because you're doing you're doing good for the environment. And they also have just a regular sparkling water if you want to add it to your add it to your uh, mixed drinks. Maybe have it be a little bit of a, of a beverage mixer you could have there with your liquid death. But they've got all kinds of things, and you can go find it at your local Woodman's, Seven Eleven, Roundies, or V. Or, here's what you can do. You can go and find a Liquid Death retailer near you using uh, code KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Go to that website. Find a Liquid Death retailer near you. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. All right, I've also got to tell you about our friends at Trade Coffee. Trade is another one of those companies that we've been talking to you about a lot here at Kansas City Sports Network. And if you know me, if you're anything like me, I don't drink coffee a whole lot. I got a sensitive stomach. But when I do drink coffee, I want it to be the best quality coffee out there. I want it to be the best of the best. And, you know, I I couldn't tell you exactly what makes a good cup of coffee, but the folks of Trade Trade Coffee do know what makes a good cup of coffee, and they give me good cups of coffee every single time. I can't I can't deny it. I mean, they're they're great. They're great at what they do. And, and so let me tell you about Trade Coffee. If you've been listening, you know about Trade. It's a coffee subscription service, unlike anything you've tried before, because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in country in the country directly to your home on a preferred schedule. Their team of experts do the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the United States every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Here's the really cool thing. We at KCSN have a collection. So the coffee I get from Trade is so good. I can't believe, you know, how well they picked it for me. And if you kind of want the same taste that I've got, or you want to know what we're getting, you can go to Trade Coffee dot com slash KCSN. Go check out our own custom collection that we have right there. Go check it up. If it's not up your alley, don't worry about it because trade will have, you know, we'll have whatever you want. You can take a quiz. This is one of my favorite things. You could take a quiz. They personalize the coffee just for you. You go by roast, however you uh, prepare your coffee, how you like to take your coffee and their coffee profile quiz will get you expertly matched with coffees that you will 
love. Trader is the easiest way to get your very best in fresh tasting coffee delivered to you fresh when you need it. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee right now. Trader is offering our listeners a total of $30 off their first home order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off your subscription to the best coffee in the country. Now let's get back to today's show. I remember you guys running those double teams uh, for power and training camp and being like, oh yeah, we were good. We just were, we were good at those, but like Jamal Charles was not, he did not like to run power. Mm-hmm. He was a zone guy. Um, he didn't like to have a, a fullback in front of him. Like, because a fullback, people don't get like when, when you have a fullback, you have to, you're supposed to follow that guy. Like right. that's that's the point of those runs. Yeah. Um, unless it's a split foe, a split foe zone. Yeah. Even then, you're probably winding back anyways. And so Jamal was not to me like a like a a, a guy who follows the fullback. Yeah. Um, Adrian, like, funny, I put Adrian Peterson in Minnesota. He loved the fullback. He loved oh, just yeah. to go right where the fullback was going. Um, but that wasn't Jamal's running style. He wanted to run zone. He wanted to get run outside zone, wide zone, and just get out in space. And so right. I think that's why we just weren't as good at power with him, where other guys, again, are, are more downhill right now, duo power guys, and that wasn't what Jamal was good at. I remember playing – were you on the Vikings in 2012? Yes. Yeah, so you played the Jets in New York. Uh, we played you guys that year. Or was it tw- – no, 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 I'm sorry, 2010. I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't 2012, yeah. Okay, 2010. No, I, I just remember the first yeah. time I played uh, the Vikings with Adrian Peterson. That offensive line was yeah, tough. Was was, and, boy, he would – he ran down. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> – I would must be fun blocking for a guy like that. Oh, my God. Him. That was the year he had the 29 uh, – or 20 uh, – 2,097 yards. He was just short, I think, of that year. Just – he ended up nine yards short of the record in 2012. Uh, it was fun, dude. He was so did he's one of those guys too where like he 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 always wanted contact. Like some running backs avoided. He wanted to run you over and then keep going. It was right. so good. Oh my god, it was so good. I remember there's a short yardage play, which I which I prided myself on making those plays. Yeah. We we met uh and I don't remember the how the exact play played out, but I remember we met uh on his lo- side of the line of scrimmage. It was like a one or two yard play. Now I I squat seven hundred pounds. I mean, and I'm three twenty in in New York. Like, so no no running backs moving me, and he pushed me. Just me and him drove me to get the first down. To I was like, how the hell, dude? You do so that? powerful. He was strong, man. He was really strong. Um, getting back to the Chiefs, I there are two players on that offensive line. I'm sorry, I'm sticking with the offensive line. Yeah. there are two players on an offensive line that you have a ton of experience with, and that's Creed Humphrey and Big Trey Smith. Yeah. Um, looking at those two guys play, it's like, I'm glad I'm retired because I would not want to have to go against those two guys. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about, you know, I know you know them uh, yeah. uh, well. What are the, you know, what makes those guys so special up front? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, Creed is just good at everything. Yeah. Like, that's just, it's just, he's just one of those guys. He's just good. Um, you know, there's players you play with and play against that, are hard to explain like why they're so good. Nick Mangold. He reminds yeah. me of you know, yeah. just like good. He's just he can do everything well. He's right. he's he's like tall but built very compact, like the way he just yeah. his body is. Yeah. He always kind of has that like forward lean in his body, yeah. big old broad shoulders, big chest, like and he's just powerful. He's just staff to ball, powerful. You know, Trey Trey Smith is 
Um, he's getting it out his ankle right now. You can definitely tell, you know, certain or foot, whatever he has, foot, ankle sometimes gives him an issue. Um, but when he's healthy, man, he's just he wants to make you pay. Like he is, he just wants to make it a long day for you. And there's still some things that he needs to work on with his hands mm-hmm. in pass pro. But when he gets his hands on you, like you're done. That's the end of the rep. And I do appreciate him battling. He's battling out there with that ankle or his ankle or foot, one of the two right now. You know, they, they were able to take him out a little bit at the end of, of, of uh, last game. And I don't think the Chiefs have a bye for a little bit of time. So I'm glad he's getting out. They're just – and it's kind of cool to have this duo together that came in the same year. They're really good friends, and and you can tell the relationship. And, and then I also think it's nice to have that veteran Tooney kind of on the other side, right, where you have this, like, veteran side, the leadership over there. But Creed and, – and I told Creed this when I met him. We did the Big Boys Club. Like, he did so much in college. He made the point for every single play offense and uh, for pass and run. I told him like, you get to the NFL, you're going to do less. Like yeah. the run will be you and Pat will do all, all the pass game stuff. He has like less to do now in the NFL. Right. He's like the block guys. That's great. So you got the smart <laughs> player now that doesn't have to worry about all this other stuff. Yes. Hone in on what he's doing. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Oh man. Big Jeff. So much, so much going on, man. Um, I wanted to finish up with a couple yeah. things. First thing, Raiders coming up now, um, uh, Monday night. What do you see with uh, – I still call them Oakland. I don't care where you put them. They're still the Oakland Raiders. What do you see with the Raiders um, and this Chiefs game? Anything you're looking at, you're like, oh, I'm worried about this or that. No, the Raiders stink. Um, I uh, I wish Jeff was here. We could tell the story. We told it a thousand times. Remember when they're in 13 in Oakland and we Jamal scored five times? Talk about it. Talk about it. That was awesome. And uh, the third, he scored on three screens to start the game. And Jeff led, he led out on two of them, I think, for touchdowns. Mm. But the third one we scored on, um, one of the Raiders defense alignment, I forget who it was, was he yelled out, am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. He yelled out, he said, it's the same fucking play. I remember that. <laughs> and Jeff hit him with the, with the ooh, kill him dance at the time. That was hot. And it was, dude, it was so funny. I mean, we, we scored on, he's Jamal scored on three screens, a one yard touchdown run, that long third down pass on that kind of that, uh, that, um, load pass ish type of play. Um, and yeah, dude, we just, we smoked them. Um, that, that shitty, that shitty field they have in Oakland. God, that was a dumb. Ooh, that was terrible. Um, I just think, you know, it's interesting. The Raiders were a playoff team last year going through everything they did with John Gruden, with Henry Ruggs. With other situations on that team, and this year they just—they're just not as good, man. I, they, I mean, they added Devonte Adams and Chandler Jones, but their secondary is bad. Their offensive line is bad. They haven't seemed to kind of get in the rhythm yet, um, in any kind of phase. And I think the Chiefs, and we saw last year, really. I mean, was it two years ago? They, the Raiders won that one time, and now yeah. they hold that up as like their Super Bowl championship. Um, I, I love just your commentary on that. The Raiders have just—they're just not good. It's no. just what it is. Uh, you know, and I, there's a number of reasons. Obviously, with an organization, the philosophy is coming from the top, and the top hasn't really changed. And so, at a certain extent, you're not super surprised right. that things haven't changed. Uh, I do also wonder about, and we don't have to get into this, but sort of, you just think about the Belichick coaching tree, and the shit doesn't doesn't seem to work out anywhere else. It just doesn't. And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, Jeff. Well, here's okay. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you a, a reason why I think. Okay. I've played very briefly with a with a with a. Um, a Patriots, mostly the general manager for the Lions. When I was with the Lions, he's a he's Bob Quinn, a Patriots oh, guy. Um, but just you kind of seeing the Patriots coaches, and I know I think you play with one, right? With uh, yeah. 
Mangini. with Mangini for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Belichick's coaching style is very much sort of like my way, right? Like I'm going to be, and it's worked obviously, like I'm going to be a hard ass. I'm going to do things my way. And it works, obviously. He's won a bunch of championships. So, like, he gets to do that, okay? So, if you go to New England and you and you accept, and we've heard players talk about it, you accept, like, kind of the harshness and the coldness of playing there. It's, it's part of the deal. But yeah. you win. We're like Andy Reid, man. And the reason why his coaches do well is, you remember he always used to tell us, like, let your personality show. That's Like, he, he wanted you to be yourself. Now, of course, within his system, right. he wanted your personality to shine. He wanted you to be you. He wanted your coaches to – he empowered the coaches to be themselves. And that, I think, allows coaches that are on his tree to go out and be themselves and not have to feel like I need to be a, a Patriots guy because that's – all the Patriots guys know is Bill Belichick. Right. Like, being like – and being mean to players and yeah. calling them out and stuff like that. And where Andy Reid, he never did that. Yeah, look, would he get angry? Yes. Did it happen often? No. But you knew when he was angry, like he made a point of it. Um, and that I think is a huge reason why Andy Reid's coaching tree is much better than 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 Bill Belichick's, even though Andy Reid doesn't have the Super Bowl rings that Belichick has because Andy Reid preaches just be yourself, be right. yourself, right? And guys know the guys see that. I mean, the, the one thing I think you could tell is uh, players can tell is authenticity, and yes, you know, I think when when these coaches try to mimic Belichick, it's obvious that that's not who they are. And uh, and it just doesn't connect with the players. I think that you you just you have to be authentic when you go out there to lead a team. Like, like I'll give you an example of like something that I fit. I, I don't know if it was Jim Caldwell doing this or, or Bob Quinn when I was in. I I, I don't know. I, I never. I like Caldwell a lot, so not yeah. it's not an anti. But like I I remember um, it's my last year in the NFL, my ninth year, and I, I left OTAs in the spring at three fifty four. Okay, my weight. I need to be at three forty. Yeah, is what I played at most of my career. And they said to me, if you lose enough body fat, then your weight won't matter as much, okay? Yeah. So I come back five weeks later, I'm 341, but I've lost 3% body fat. It's pretty good for five weeks in the summer. They find me anyways and put me in a workout program. Are you serious? And I was like, uh, like what, really? In my ninth year, I got to come in early and do the bike and leave and stay till 1030 and do the bike at night? Like that, that feels like a Belichick thing, right? Yes. Like, like it doesn't feel like a Jim Caldwell thing, honestly. No, what are you talking about? It's like I'm in my ninth year. You want to find me? Be my guest. I, I whatever. Five hundred bucks. I've made enough. I'll take the fine. They right. put me in a workout program. Where I got to show up early and stay late to like. It wasn't even like I'm in my sandals riding the recumbent bike for 15 minutes. It's, not like, it's like it's just to just to be annoying, just to it's, fucking annoy me. Exactly. Like that to me feels like, yeah. Andy Reid had weights too. If you missed your weight by a pound, he would be like, I don't know. Are you playing fine? Cool. All right. Yeah. It just seemed like really silly to like put that on the players, especially as your older player for one pound. When I did what I was asked to do, lose a bunch of body fat. Right. No, it's exactly right. I mean, it, look, there's enough obstacles in the NFL to overcome normally. Just, the NFL presents a number of things that you need. But adding things on the guy's plates that are just, you know, arbitrary rules and arbitrary punishment and things that really right. don't factor into are you going to win on Sunday? Correct. So like I had, I had uh, the whole spectrum of coaches, right? So I started with Coach Mangini, who 
I'm very grateful for because if it wasn't for that system, I probably wouldn't have made it because it was so much about the details. Yeah. But at the same time, you you also had a lot of that, what you're talking about. I mean, I remember we would have a team meeting and he would make a guy stand up in front of everybody. And I talk, when I talk team meeting, I mean talking about the whole organization. Yeah. He'd make a guy stand up and he'd, and he'd say, okay, there's the video department over there. Give me everybody's name in the video department. He'd be like, and then, you know, and then, you know, you'd, and this was all the time. So like in every, every meeting, team meeting was like this, where you'd ask these crazy questions. Oh, what, what's on the, um, uh, what's it, what's it say on the entrance coming into the facility? You know, he'll put a phrase up there, play like a jet or something. What does it say on that? And you're like, so we guys would come in with these massive notebooks full of just random information of stuff around the facility, because you just didn't want to not know the answer to those questions. Uh, oh, it was very, very like that. And then we had Rex Ryan, who was like, look, if I got to bail you out on jail on Saturday, that's fine. Like, we're just going to win on Sunday. You know, yeah. so this was on the opposite side where you didn't, you maybe less, lost some of that systematic stuff, or some of the system, but it was very much let your personality shine. Yeah. Then you then you have Andy Reid, who's, you know, well, he has the system, he has the rules in place. If you track the history of any rule, it's going to have a reason or purpose to yes. it. Right, there's going to be a an, there's going to be a story behind why that's a rule. Uh, it's going to have motivation, and then but but at the same time, it's like go be men, go have fun, go yeah. let your personality shine. It's like, uh, and I think that's what's what puts him you know so far ahead of everybody else. Great. Um, so yeah, Big Jeff, that's great, man. But before we finish, there was one point we were talking we were touched on quickly before we started. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this because this is interesting. Uh, I've, I've said the same thing, and you said it before. He said, "I wonder if I could play in this uh, in this NFL, right?" So you and I played in the same uh, the same era of the NFL, right? Early you know, mid two thousand, uh, what was it, two thousand six, two thousand seven to two thousand fifteen, sixteen, yeah. right in that era. Very very different game. Yes. Right? I always tell this story. We would play the you know when I was playing the Patriots in two thousand seven. Uh, you're thinking Tom Brady in his prime. You're thinking 11 and 12 personnel, you know, 10 personnel. We were preparing for 13, 22, 23. I mean, oh, yeah. just run the football, grind the football. That's what we did. Now the game is just I know. fast, man. So tell me, talk to me about just your thoughts. Like, how, how do we do in the NFL in 2022? Do we make it, brother? I don't know. I don't know, man. These these defensive linemen are like I, – I moved inside the guards. I didn't want to be in space. And now they just put you in space again all of a sudden. Like – Aaron Donald would have kicked my ass. He kicks mm-hmm. everyone's ass. But, like, it, I don't know, man. I remember the first time a guy – we were playing – I was in Minnesota in 2012, and we are playing the the Packers. It was Mike Daniels, I think, third and eight. And he lined up at, like, a four-eye. And mm-hmm. I was like, what the – what is this? You're supposed to be right on my body. Like, why are you all the way out there? And so, I don't know, man. I don't know if I would have – you know, and the, you know the game now too is like so like they you know they're so traits driven. Like I had a bad combine. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just I maybe, but I, I don't feel as comfortable. Like when I came in, I thought guys were big. They wanted run blockers, which I was good at. Like I fit what they wanted. Now I don't. I don't know. I it, pass protecting wasn't my thing. Yeah, yeah. No, Jeff. I um. Uh, 2013, at the end of the season, my D-line coach brings me in and says, hey, you got to work on your pass rush. I'm like, pass rush? You know, like I'm the run-stopping guy. He's like, we did a breakdown of the film, and 70% of the plays we went against were 11 personnel. I'm like, well, I'm 30 and fat. I mean, it's yeah. all 
Like there's no, there's no pass rush. Like I'm exactly. here to the little teams. Uh, so yeah, man. And you talk, and you talk about the fact that look at how truncated everything is too. I mean, you talk about just sort of getting used to playing the game. Uh, I was lucky, lucky. I mean, it was hard, but my rookie season, I had 30 training camp practices going into the regular oh, season. Yeah, we yeah, all did. Now you have seven. You know, I mean, it's like nothing. So I, I really do think that um, the reason there's so many injuries this season is because of that. Like, there, the, you got to practice football to play yeah, football. You, you do, and maybe that sounds old school and old curmudgeon-y and we're just two old veterans. But like, you have to practice football to play football, in my opinion. Yeah, you see yeah. a lot of injuries the first four weeks, five weeks, and it's just I think it's this whole idea of. Less practice time, less time in the facility, less offseason is not helping players. Like the idea that the players, and this is for another podcast, but the idea that the players would give back money in the CBA, would agree to like less practices, and for for one single cent back to the owners is ludicrous to me. The owners do not care about practice. They want us to show up on Sunday. And we're not looking out for our health, in my opinion, if we're practicing less now, of course, I don't, I'm not advocating for two days again, right, right. but like it does matter. Practice does matter, and right. I think right now there's just not enough of it, and it's uh, it's hurting players' ability to prepare for the start of the season. Yeah, Big Jeff, thank you, brother. You're giving us a half hour before we let you go, man. Where can everybody find? Yeah, you? Just at my Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. Easiest way to do it, Jeff with a G. All my stuff's posted there, so that's uh, that's the place to go. Jeff, love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming yep. on. Chiefs Kingdom, thank you for tuning in on One on One. We will see you next week after a win against the Raiders. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.